I was talking to my dad the other day, and so after I hung up, I started thinking about this podcast because my father, he's an immigrant to this country and has lived some incredible experiences, but also one of those guys where perfecting English has not been a priority, just lays on the thick Israeli accent, he can't spell really much at all, and not loquacious to say the least. And here I am just blabbering my mouth off to myself in this microphone, which ironically has been listened to millions of times. My podcast service says I have about a million downloads and eight million streamed listens, but actually I don't know how many individual listeners there are out there. Maybe it's just the same guy listening over and over. But anyway, funny how things work out. Rather quiet father, which is unusual for Israelis, but... Maybe it's skipped a generation because he has a son that talks to himself. And some of you like hearing me talk to myself. Anyway, my father is a business guy. Nobody in my family was ever in medicine. My sister met her husband at the Harvard Master in Business Association program, right? The MBA program. You can only imagine when we try to schedule family vacations how everybody else feels about me. You know, sorry, I have to work that holiday again or that weekend or whatever. My wife and kids get it, but the rest of my family honestly thinks I am full of it and trying to avoid them because they've never been in a situation where there are more hours outside of the nine to five range for every hospitalist program to cover, right? So mathematically, if you add it up, it is a mathematical fact that there are more hours, 365 days a year, outside of the 9 to 5 range, let alone start adding in the problems of covering holidays and weekends that all need to be covered 24-7. And I'm not making this out to be just a hospitalist problem, it's just a problem for medicine, meaning you've got to cover nursing 24-7 in the hospital, technicians, all kinds of physicians. That's just part of what medicine is. And when we do find a mutual time for my family to go on vacation, which we try and do every year, my dad's Israeli accent is so thick you can barely understand him. He will knock on a hotel door. It's dead. And my wife will look at me freaked out that someone has died, right? It's dead. And it takes me a moment to understand he is saying, Oh, it's dad. So this stuff, it goes on all vacation. But anyway, while my father and I can't usually dive in and talk about science or some deep disease process, he does like to ask me about the business aspect of medicine, a topic that has become interesting even to the public as health becomes more unaffordable for both individuals and the nation. People are frustrated, right? Patients, healthcare workers, administrators, everyone, everywhere. And I get it. We are stuck in a cycle where the government is too incompetent to do healthcare and private industry is too greedy to be trusted with healthcare. Remember high school, you had a choice of the greedy, seedy weed dealer, totally in it for the money or the other weed dealer who smoked nearly as much as he sold and just wasn't progressing anywhere in life, that seems where we are stuck with healthcare. Either we have the greediest people 
or idealists who are incompetent because they truly believe that everything can and should be paid for. Now, I actually don't give my father the weed dealer comparison. What we actually talk about is more the politics surrounding healthcare, like Trump and Congress. And we do agree that politicians don't really understand healthcare. I mean, you got like guys like Bernie Sanders who wants everything totally free, unlimited healthcare. I mean, that is clueless. I mean, listen, I think you have the right to a lawyer if you can't afford one and a doctor if you can't afford one in a pickle. But do I think I have the right to spend $200,000 of your money to keep me alive six extra weeks with a minimally effective drug or futile hospitalization? Heck no. When we answer questions solely as black and white and refuse to acknowledge any gray area, we get stuck. Some healthcare is a right or really needs to be a right, meaning we don't want to see someone fly through a windshield and then everybody just stand around and say, oh, don't call an ambulance and don't put this person in a hospital. We believe that that person needs help now and it needs to be covered whether they can pay for it or not. Now, the way to pay for that is that everybody has to pay a little bit and chip in. I still don't get the controversy surrounding that, meaning that's what some people are so upset about Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act is that everybody is forced to chip in. We assume that everybody is going to need health care at some point, and so everybody has to chip in a little bit. That's called insurance. But what I do get as controversial is how much you should have to pay for that insurance and cover other people with it. So I really believe that while some health care is a right, we must acknowledge at some point that some health care is not a right or we are going to get deeper and deeper into this hole. So the far left completely ignoring all economics is crazy. The far right, on the other hand, doesn't even believe in basic science. I mean, totally clueless, lacking in reality as much as anyone. Remember in the Affordable Care Act that that discussion of having a code status discussion at the end of life, it was considered a death panel. So just having a discussion about code status had to actually be pulled from the legislation because it was way too controversial of an idea. A code status discussion is a death panel. That's really where we are at. When are you guys going to elect me president or to Congress? <laughs> I guess I'd actually have to run to do that. Reminds me of a joke. Actually, my, my father did tell me this joke a long time ago. It's this Yiddish guy named Shlomo who every day complains to God that he doesn't win the lottery. Every day ends, he said, I pray to you, I am devoted to you, you don't let me win the lottery. This goes on and on. And one day, as Shlomo is saying, God, what do I need to do to win the lottery? I pray to you, I do everything that you ask. There's a lightning bolt. <laughs> And then suddenly God comes down and says, Shlomo, will you buy a ticket? So I guess I can't really complain about not being president if I don't run. But 
Anyway, I find that I'm not doing a very good job keeping up with politics. I used to pay close attention, but now it just drives me crazy. There are about a hundred billion nerves in the human body, and Trump gets on about each of mine every day. Actually, it's still a topic of debate as to how many nerves are in the average human body, but not a debate that Trump is getting on most of mine. Can this guy not have a thought without moving his lips? Well, I disagree with some of his policies. That's not what drives me crazy. Even when I agree with some of his proposed policies, he still drives me crazy. Like, I think the idea of simplifying the tax code is very important. My taxes were hundreds of pages last year. You know, some countries, the government actually calculates what you owe in taxes. You review it and pay it. But the lobbying against that brilliant idea in the United States has been unfortunate. And guys like Grover Norquist also scare politicians into not doing it. So I don't have any great hope for simplifying the tax code. Forget taxes. I'm just saying there is an occasional idea I actually can get behind Trump on. Here's what I don't think I can get behind. I just can't get over that character is not a criteria for being the most powerful democratically elected person in the world. I can't get over that. That rhetoric completely no longer matters. I can't get over that calling an American POW shot down and then horribly tortured for five years, basically calling him a loser for getting caught. He said, he's not a war hero. I like people who weren't captured. That's what Trump said. Trump and I both agree, by the way, that Vietnam was a war we should never have been in. However, degrading our own country's prisoners of war that we sent into hell is an awful statement. And this happened well over a year ago, and I just can't get over those kind of statements. But more important, I can't get over the behavior that follows those statements. What did he say when he was asked to apologize to John McCain? I like not to regret anything. That's what he said. I like not to regret anything. So that tangent aside, what am I trying to get at? Well, we doctors often learn more from mistakes over the years than we do from our successes because mistakes are so painful to us. They eat at us, make us anxious, and gosh darn it, we regret them. I mean, isn't that the way most people go through life. We make big mistakes along the way, and then we regret them. I think it's okay to move on from mistakes, but to not regret anything ever? So it's comments like that, an inability to give a genuine, heartfelt apology that displays one's character that my kids are watching all the time. But just as important, I simply don't believe after those type of comments he lacks genuine patriotism because there is a major difference between patriotism in actions and misplaced nationalism that hides behind a cult of personality. Previous world history of misplaced nationalism blindly backing a cult of personality scares me. See, I'm getting worked up and this is why I'm avoiding watching politics. So moving Back to the topics of vacations and hours spent in medicine. Okay, forget vacations. You don't want to hear about that. Let's get back to the hours worked in medicine. Hey, I get some of the argument. It's part of the package. Most of us 
shouldn't have been disillusioned going into this. We were disillusioned. I mean, who isn't disillusioned as a young adult? But anyway, we shouldn't have been. The actual hours don't bother me as much as hearing other people talking about their jobs. I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was complaining about his job, one of those guys with a nine to five job. Okay, medical people out there, could you even imagine a nine to five job? Getting in at 9 a.m., no night, no call weekends, not having to listen to podcasts and read journals constantly to try and keep up, a real nine to five job. This guy, really had nothing else in life to complain about. He's a good-looking guy and funny, so with that combination, he gets more booty than a toilet seat, one of those kind of guys. It's just hard to relate to nine to five people when you work in medicine. It's like clockwork. Every year, my wife gets mad at me when it turns November, and the news runs some story about some company that's going to make some employee come in on Thanksgiving for some sale. And us people in medicine, we already have compassion fatigue for bigger things than that, but nobody cares about the caregiver. I will say to my wife something like this, well, I always have to work half the holidays every year, and then, oh my God, I get that stare down and word lashings that make me out to be worse than the actual owners of the department store making their employees come in. And so you just learn to shut your mouth about most things, and then we get accused of not sharing enough, right? Well, anyway, that's when you know you've been married a long time, when you can time which disagreement you will have during a certain time of year. But that's not actually the worst part. Knowing that you are wrong, that you've turned into that person, that you are the twit arguing it's more important to work the cash register over family time, in that you are going to argue that same thing next year, that crushes your soul. You know, when you're already regretting something you're going to do in the future, that's the difference between me and Trump. I actually regret the things I haven't done yet, let alone some of the things I have done. Live and learn is how it's supposed to be, except sometimes I forget about the learn part of that equation and I just live. So I look at these friends of mine that complain about their jobs. They have stuff like Secret Santa and office parties, stuff we never do, and they complain about all the time, right? Hey, if you have an office party and half your folks aren't scheduled to work during that party, your hours are awesome. The only people I do have sympathy for are the folks that work from home that have their kids and spouse in the home because I know I wouldn't get anything done in that situation. I couldn't trust the solo employee if I worked from home, if you know what I mean. Anyway, I suppose that is the inescapable irony of all this. What do I mean by that? All right, let's take a different inescapable irony. Kind of like when we fight terror by using the terror of war and call that a war on terror. Not saying it doesn't have to be done. I think some wars are indeed just, but the irony of it all makes the head spin. So when it comes to inescapable irony in my life, it's something that I accept as just part of my life all the time. For example, there are several things in life that guided me into the hours I put into medicine. I worked at Kroger Deli in Madeira, Ohio for a summer. It's a suburb of Cincinnati. I worked as a telemarketer for a bit in high school. Didn't make 
get very long doing that, but I worked. And then I worked as a dishwasher. That one I lasted about a week at a, at a country club. You can't even imagine after some of these banquets and weddings what that is like. Mindless stuff that drove me crazy. And I seriously would trade doing triple hours as a physician then go back to some of those jobs. So yes, I can, and just did, complain as loud as anyone on certain days about my job and how the world doesn't understand. And while I still don't want to hear nine to five people complain about their job, thinking those people have really nothing on us folks in medicine. But when I settle down and reflect, I do remember that I live within my own head at a particular moment and shouldn't judge what someone else says they are going through because I really haven't walked in their shoes. All right, I've said enough for today. Hey, it's Gil Parat, and I will catch you on the next round.